0: Hi, welcome to the Holton Baptist Church podcast. We are really glad that you have joined us and we pray that the message you're about to hear will really bless you, encourage you and help you to encounter God afresh for yourself. Great to have you with us, enjoy. We're going to begin as we have for the last few weeks by inviting you to picture somebody in your mind's eye. Again, feel free to close your eyes if you find that helpful and if not, then carry on. So I want you to picture one of those people. Do you know what I mean? One of those people. And the fact that a lot of you are sitting there grinning and wryly smiling at me tells me that you know what I mean when I say one of those people. You know, the people who rub you up the wrong way the people who just push all your buttons, the people you'd rather cross the street to avoid rather than having to share the same geographical spaces. And one of those people, one of those people. So who are you picturing? Perhaps it's someone from your life. Perhaps it's someone from your workplace, from a group that you belong to, from your school. Perhaps it's someone at church. Perhaps it's someone in this room right now. Perhaps it's me. (laughs) If it is, don't tell me. I'm not sure my ego could stand it. When you picture that person, though, what do you feel? What's your first response? What do you feel? How do you see that person? Now, if I asked you whether you liked that person one of those people, then understandably you say, gosh, no, I can't stand them. They're awful, awful person. You think you'd rather do anything else rather than have to spend time with them, be near them, or perhaps even acknowledge their existence. The thing is, though, what if I asked you if you loved that person? What if I say, do you love that person? See, we get very easily confused. We get very easily mixed up between like and love. Now, as Christians, we are called to love pretty much indiscriminately, recklessly, selflessly. We're called to be a people of love. But when we think that in order to do that, the other person needs to be likable or that we have to like them, then we get ourselves back to front, and we get ourselves into the same sort of troubles that the church at Corinth was getting it into. Now, that is true of the world. We are called to love the world. Remember, it says in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that all who may believe would uh, be saved. But it goes on, and it says, for Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now, often we find ourselves getting that wrong. It's one of our favorite sports, one of our favorite pastimes is let's judge the world. What can we judge the world on today? What thing is the world doing that we don't like today? Let's judge it. And if we judge it just enough, then the gospel will get through. It's not really true, of course. But the other thing is, it's really even more true within the Christian community, within the church, that we are called to love One another, friends. Here is the hard truth you may not like one another, you don't have to like one another. The Bible does not say, Sisters and brothers, like one another, but you do have to love one another, you do have to love. One another. Just before we dig into this, by the way, that is not carte blanche for you to behave just however you want. It's not carte blanche to be thoroughly unpleasant to other people. You know, you may still be loved by your Christian sisters and brothers, but you are not going to have that many people giving you Christmas cards and turning up at your birthday party. Our passage this morning calls us to examine ourselves in a light that's possibly quite uncomfortable for us. It calls us to pick apart our preconceptions and perhaps our prejudices as well and invite God into the truth of who we are, to cast light onto our loving or not loving natures. As we think about what it means to love above all things, we're forced to confront the truth that at times we haven't loved. And at times we have not been loved either. But Paul wants us to know that it is our love far more than anything else, far more than our gifts, far more than our service, which is of importance. And the truth he points us towards is this, that love is above all other things. So this passage often gets treated as something of a standalone portion of scripture. Perhaps some of you have this somewhere in your home as a poster or a cross stitch or a postcard or on a greetings card that you have. It's beautiful. These are beautiful, beautiful words. And we shouldn't dismiss these words lightly, but we must also take these words in context. We can treat them as standalone and learn one thing, but when we take them in context, in the context of what Paul is immediately writing about out of the whole letter to the Corinthian church, we find that Paul is giving us a new, a unique, a different take on things. It's not like Paul has suddenly gone off at a tangent. He's not me. He hasn't gone off at a tangent and gone, I was talking about gifts. I'm gonna talk about love. I'll be back to gifts now. That's not what he's doing. Paul is writing in the context Of the Corinthian church misunderstanding, misusing, misapplying the gifts that God has given them. If you remember back a couple of weeks, we thought when we misunderstand the gifts, there is the danger of making idols out of the gifts. The human heart is an idol-producing factory. We want to worship something. So if we're not worshiping God, we're going to worship something else. And even in the Christian community, we can get back to front. We can get ourselves mixed up. We end up worshiping the gift that God has given us and not God himself. And that leads to idolatry, which leads to dissatisfaction, which leads to disunity. Last week, we thought a little bit about how if we misuse the gifts, if we use them for our own personal benefit, our own personal platform, rather than building the church, that also leads to disunity through disharmony, because that's not what God gave us the gifts for. So if our message last week was, be who God made you to be, then this week it is, see others the way God sees them see others the way God sees them. If you've got a Bible with you, if you're accessing our text online, or if you're using one of our handouts, or however you've got the scriptures in front of you, do please turn to 1 Corinthians, and we're exploring the whole of chapter 13. It's only 13 verses. But let's begin by going back a little bit, and we're going to look at a couple of verses just before this that set the tone. So here we go. At the end of what we have as chapter 12 of Corinthians, and remember, this is just one long letter that Paul is writing. We've divided it up because, well, our attention spans are obviously less than the first century Jewish audience. Paul writes this, Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. it's important that before we explore what Paul is saying in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, that we grasp the significance of these two verses from 1 Corinthians 12. So we're going to encounter one of our translational insufficiencies again. I've talked about these before, where the English language doesn't quite capture the Greek as well. Remember, Paul is writing in Greek, and we are translating into English. So, Uh, we've got two of these, by the way, this morning. So two translational insufficiencies, a double blessing on you on this most beautiful day. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, Paul says. Now, when we read this, we could easily think that this means there are some gifts that are greater than others. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And we might look at this and think, well, healing tongues interpretation, they surely are the greater gifts that Paul is speaking of. But when we put this in context with everything else that Paul has said, Paul has made it really clear there is no hierarchy of gifts. There are not one set of gifts that are better or more useful or more valuable than the others. Remember the body analogy. The hand cannot say to the foot, be away with you. That's my translation of it, by the way. So Paul has spent a lot of time dispelling this myth that there is some kind of hierarchy of gifts, that you start at a basic one and kind of elevate up through the others. That's Gnosticism, if you're interested in that kind of thing. That is not what Paul is talking about. The Greek in this is written, language nerds, brace yourselves, in the second person plural. The second person plural in the Greek means you, all of you. We only have one word for you. If I say you, I could be talking to Vicky, or I could be talking to all of you, who are gathered here in the room. In the Greek, I don't know what the Greek is, but in the Greek, it would be really clear that I was talking to one individual or to a whole room. So this passage is in the second person plural, so I'm told, by people who know more than me. And it means all of you, you as a body of people, are to desire the greater gifts. Remember, put this in context. Paul is writing to a group of people who've taken the gifts of God and confused them With their pagan ways. So I want to put it to you that the greater gifts Paul is suggesting we should be desiring are not gifts within the gifts of the Spirit. They are the gifts of the Spirit, Desire the greater gifts. Desire the gifts of God, not the supposed gifts of the world. Desire the gifts of the Spirit, not those things that your pagan gods were giving you. Desire the things of God, not the things of the flesh, not the things of humanity, not the things of the world. Eagerly desire the gifts of God, all of you. So Paul is, is here calling the Corinthians to account for their divided loyalties. Remember we said, we said that the Corinthians want to have one foot in the world of paganism and one foot in the world of God, but Paul is calling them to be all in for Jesus, eagerly desire to be all in for Jesus through the gifts of the Spirit. This is the fundamental difference between the things of the world and the things of God. God is better. God offers us better things One of the criticisms or one of the questions that's often asked to people who are on that journey, the people who've lived in the world for so long, and they're on the journey. And it was a question I asked myself when I came to faith. What am I going to have to give up? Do I have to give up having fun? Do I have to give up things I enjoy? Do I have to give up X, Y, Z? And the truth is, yes, there are some things you need to give up when you come to Christ, but they are the things that are bad for you. They are the things that distract you from God. They're the things that pull you away from God. What God offers us is life in all its richness, in all its fullness, in all its abundance by giving us everything we need. Just think about what Roger Roger said earlier on. That's hard to say uh, when you've lost an hour's sleep. Think about what Roger said earlier on about the gifts, the beautifulness of creation. God has given us everything we need. Need and everything we need to be in relationship with him. Eagerly desire those things, my sisters and brothers. Eagerly desire the gifts that are greater. But then he says this, and yet, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Some translations render this as I will show you a better way, a more excellent way because Paul reminds us of a hard truth, that we could be the most gifted, the most spiritual, the most brilliant, the most talented, the most committed, the most Christ-like on the outside looking Christian in the world. But if we lack for one thing, we have nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love... I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love. Without love... The gifts of God mean nothing. Just let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in for a minute. Unless you have love for your sisters, for your brothers, for the world out there, any gift you have means nothing. It doesn't count to God hard words, but true words. You know, we could pray the most wonderful, evocative, poetic prayers. We could sing like the very choir of angels in God's throne room. We could evangelize like Billy Graham, serve like Mother Teresa, preach like Jesus himself. But without love, it counts for nothing. Because love is the quality above all others that distinguishes Christians. Love is the essential nature of our being. Remember these words of Jesus? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love One another, not by your prayers, not by your theological knowledge, not by your regular attendance at church, not by your singing, not by your preaching, not by your evangelization, by your prophecy or by speaking in tongues, by your giving, though all of these, sisters and brothers, are good things and these are things we should be doing, but by your love shall you be known as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is love that counts. Without love, all of these things are nothing but a big empty noise. Love is the most excellent way, the more excellent way, the way of Christ that will allow the church to grow and flourish and the good news of Jesus Christ to spread. It is love that we should be seeking above all things. It is love we should be seeking above all things, love that should be at the very core of who we are. That guides us and directs us. Every word we speak, every act of service we perform, every thought we think, every deed we do, not for personal gain or to simply virtue signal, but for love. Jesus puts it this way When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Act in love, not seeking personal glory or adulation or praise. Act in secret, act in love. That's the Christian way. Here again, though, of course, we run into another translational insufficiency. I told you there were going to be two. I told you there were going to be two. We've got this one in quite quickly. So in English, we really only have one word for love. Love. That's the word we have. And if you think about it, you might say, I love you, and mean it in a romantic way. I love you. Or you might say, I love you to a relative, and it means something different. Or you might say, I love that. And it means something different again. We only have the one word. In Greek, in uh, Greek of this time, there are actually four words. We find three of them in the Bible and two of them in the New Testament. So firstly, this word for love that is being used here is not romantic love. That's the word eros in Greek. It's not romantic love. That's not what uh, Paul is saying. He's not saying you should love one another romantically. It's also not fraternal love, which is filio brotherly love, the kind of love that we have for one another as a community, the kind of love you might have between friends. It's not that kind of love either. The love that Paul is referring to here is agape love, God love. That's the best way I can find to define it. Agape love is the love that God has for people. It's the kind of love that lets us see people the way God sees people so we have to remind ourselves that this quest for love is a simple thing it's just seeing people the way other seeing people the way that god sees them seeing others the way god sees them not whether we like them not whether they're kind to us but that they are a sister and a brother in christ and we love them regardless what does love look like then Let's hear this again. Oh, that's gone a bit funny. I'll read this to you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Quite a list of qualities of love the things that love is, the things that love does not do, and the things that love always does. This list isn't describing that fraternal love, that feeling of sisterliness or brotherliness. It's not describing romantic or sexual love. It's not even describing familial love. This is agape love. This is God's love. This is what God's love to you looks like. And this is the kind of love that God calls us to demonstrate to others. As John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. For the Christian, love is not some nebulous, rose tinted feeling. It's not a soft focus, swirling violins playing in the background, romance-infused emotion, but a way of being. It's an active choice. It's a call and response to become more like Jesus. And Paul sets forth this list of qualities that distinguish true Christian love, that help us to see others the way God sees them. Because love is not a feeling, It's not a feeling. It's not a set of responses to a certain bunch of chemicals flooding your system. It's a way of being. It's a way of doing. It's a choice that we have to actively make every single day. Love is being and doing. Now, I'm not going to spend actually much time digging into each quality here. I think we can all get our heads around what it means to be patient, what it means to be kind, what it means not to dishonor others, and all of the other characteristics that Paul throws out there. But I will say this. All of these qualities have something in common. We have to choose to make them our way of living. We have to actively choose to be these things or to not be these things in the case of the negatives. We have to actively choose to love. It's not something that comes naturally to us. It's a choice. It's, not, it's, it's something we do and not necessarily something we feel. And it's certainly not something we only feel. If you are only loving based on your feelings, you're not loving the way that Christ has called you to love. You choose to love. We choose to live in that way. We choose to be patient even when our nerves are being tested to their very limits. We choose to be kind even when we're facing persecution and opposition. We choose not to envy, not to boast, not to be prideful, not to dishonor others, not to become self-seeking because we know those are not worshipful of God. Those are idolatrous behaviors. We choose not to become easily angered. We choose not to bear a grudge. We choose not to delight in evil because those are things that push us further and further and further away from God. And we choose these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard, with thanks to JFK for absolutely the spot-on way of putting that. These are not easy choices for us to make. They are difficult. They will require strength. You know what they'll require? the gifts of God. They will require the indwelling Holy Spirit to be rewriting us and changing us from the inside out so that these things become our way of being. Love is hard. Love is difficult. Love is a daily choice we make because that is the way of God and of Christ. When I entered ministry, my college tutor, the head of the college that I trained at, said, Don't go into ministry if you can't love. And if you love, get ready to be hurt. Get ready to be really, really hurt. Because when you love, you open yourself up. And if we're loving each other properly, that hurt doesn't come. Or at least it doesn't come that often. But it does come. Love is hard. It's a choice we make. And Paul's going to write this to the church in Rome and reading from the New Living Translation it says don't just pretend to love others really love them don't just pretend to love others really love them hate what is wrong hold tightly to what is good love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Don't just pretend to love. Actually love. Before we go any further and before we carry on, though, I do need to sound a note of warning. We need to clear a few things up. There are passages in the Bible that get misused, passages that get uh, taken out of context, passages that get misapplied, passages that are used to justify the most appalling and awful behaviors. And this, sadly, for a passage that is so beautiful and that is so full of God's love for us, is one of those texts. Have you ever heard anything like this? I can behave however I want to you because you're a Christian and you've therefore got to love me doesn't matter what I say to you because you're a Christian and therefore you've got to forgive me. You have to do what I want you to do because otherwise you are not loving me as a Christian sister or brother. Have you ever heard anything like that or anything similar? Praise God if you haven't. If you have, then I stand here with you having heard those exact things myself. That is not what this passage is saying. That is not what any passage of scripture is saying. It does not say that you have to allow mistreatment. It does not say you have to allow someone to abuse you. It does not say that people can run roughshod over you and you just have to put up with it because of love. Love is not accepting sinful or destructive behavior in other people. Love is not accepting other people causing you intentional pain. Love does not mean remaining in a relationship that is abusive. Love does not mean allowing yourself to suffer for somebody else's pleasure. That is not God love. Certainly, love is not soft. It will always seek to build the other person up. It will always seek to encourage the other. It will always seek to allow others to come to the fullness of life in Christ. But it does not mean turning a blind eye to sin or calling out evil in another person. Friends, please hear this. The awful truth is that in the name of love, so much evil has been done on a personal level, on a corporate level, on a global level. So much evil, and that that isn't love. That isn't love. Hear this. It is not love. It is not God's plan. It is not God's will for your life for you to stay in a relationship that is abusive. It is not God's plan. It is not God's will for your life for you to be beaten up run over, mistreated, abused by anybody and just put up with it because you're supposed to love. That is not how God has designed you or the world to operate. You do not have to put up with this. Seek help, seek wise counsel and above all, do not let somebody else's twisted view of love and perversion of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ blind you to abuse and maltreatment. Love above all means we are loved as well as loving. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and it always perseveres. What a wonderful image of the outworking of love. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Always, this is belief and hope, this is faith in action as it works its way out in our lives. This is the love we experience of knowing ourselves, as knowing as we know ourselves as children of God. This is the love we encounter through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This is love made available to us by God 's grace and His infinite kindness and His wisdom and His mercy and His love for us. This is the love that gives up strength to love. This is the love that never gives up wanting the other to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And this is the love that calls out us to live out our lives in the reality of the love that Christ has shown for us. It's never, ever wrong, friends, to love someone. It's always wrong to stop loving them. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love. Greatest of these is love. Love never, ever dies. God's love for you never dies. You cannot do anything in your life to make God stop loving you. Just hear that. You cannot do anything in your life to make God stop loving you. He is going to love you even if you turn your back completely on him, and he's going to love you so much that he's going to make every effort to bring you back to him. Your gifts may and will come and go, God may gift you for a season and give you new gifts as he wills it, but love will endure. And one day there will be no need for the gifts. One day there will be no need for the gifts of the Spirit because the new heaven and the new earth will be established here. The church will no longer need the gifts because the church will no longer be needed Jesus will have come again, and the eternal kingdom of God will be established on earth, and we will live in the love of God, and with him, we'll see him face to face, we'll know him fully as we are fully known. And the gifts may cease, but love will still be present. It's the unchanging reality of God and the unchanging call to his people. So think back. Think back to those people that you thought of earlier on and ask yourself, do you love them? I don't mean do you like them. I don't mean do you tolerate their behaviour. I mean, do you love them? The way that God loves you. The way that Jesus loves you with grace, with kindness, with mercy and forgiveness, with patience and hope and trust, that even though you may not understand why, God loves them as much as he loves you. Love, friends, is what binds the community of Christ together. It's what enables us to experience the fullness of life which God offers. It is the condition that allows our gifts to flourish. It's the glue that keeps us together. Yes even to those people who otherwise you might not want to have anything to do with. Love is the most excellent way. It's patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth and it endures protecting, trusting, hoping and persevering. Love never fails and never dies. Don't we long to be more than just a big, empty noise, but to be a people who are known by the way we love? So let's put aside the childish things. Let us stop thinking as we did when we were children and grow into the fullness of life that Christ is calling us to, a life where we are the people God made us to be and where we see others the way God sees them. Let us pursue the most excellent way and love above all else. Let's pray. Lord, you are love, and you give us your love in abundance. You give us your love unrestrained and uncontained, You love us even when we have not loved you and you love us despite our failings and our turning away. You love us when we are really all in for you and you love us when we're just dipping our toes in the water. You loved us before we were knit together in our mother's womb. You love us so much that our names are in your book of life and you have counted every hair on our heads. You love us with a love that was so great, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And you call us to live in that kind of love. Help us, Father, not to be selfish with that, but to be generous. Not to mistake liking for loving. Not to mistake someone's likability for our call to love them. Help us to be a people who set aside all of the things that get in the way of loving each other. Help us to die to self and live and rise to you, Lord that we may be a people who are known for our love of one another, of the world, and above all, Lord, of your Son, Jesus, in whose name and for whose sake we pray this morning. Amen thanks for joining us on the Holton Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to keep in touch with you so do reach out to us. you'll be able to find us at our website that's www.holtonbaptists.org.uk. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram if you search for at Holton Baptists and we hope that you will join us again next time as we share the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ with you. God bless.